What's up, fight fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, January 26, 2021, and this week's episode, Poirier brings the right sauce. We'll be talking about a wild UFC 257, a great performance by Michael Chiesa on Wednesday, and of course the latest in the MMA world, new developments in the middleweight division, and what we expect to see in March and April. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Are we ready to get into talking about the great and mighty El Diamante. <laughs> El Diamante. Yeah, ahead. did you see that shirt that he has? You know, like the Made in Mexico one that people wear? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I see this and I'm like, I thought at first it was like a Tony Ferguson thing, like El Diamante versus El Cucuy. And then, you know, like Louisiana is much further from Mexico than Texas. So I don't know if this is a thing, but it's like... You know what? If he just feels like he wants to have that swag, by all means, go for it. I mean, he's already selling hot sauce, which is a very Hispanic thing. You know, <laughs> you, Dustin Poirier, if you want it, go for it. After that fight, I'm not going to stop you. I'm buying that shirt. Where can I buy it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can find that somewhere yeah. for sure. DustinPoirier.com. Anyway, uh, let's get right into it. We got so much going on. Um... Dustin Poirier comes out. You know, I, I got to start with Conor McGregor. I, you know, people have talked about everything from the walkout and everything else. There was no, no strut. There was just none of that extra. I'll call it swag to him. But when he survived that first takedown and he was in the clinch, I was very impressed because I felt like, okay, this is this is how it plays out. You know, he's defended some early onslaught from Dustin and he started really connecting with the hands piercing the guard he snapped Dustin's head back a few times and we know about Connor we know when he hits you he tends to do damage and we've seen him many times I was very very impressed with Dustin's ability to take that and there's a lot of talk about why he was able to do it um at 155 he's cutting less weight he looked a lot bigger than connor he had to have at least about close to 10 if not more pounds on connor he just took those punches well and i think that you saw just the experience of dustin really come into effect he took them then the calf kicks obviously just the confidence growing and then of course the second connor's legs were compromised he let the hands go and I don't need to tell you what happened. You've seen the picture by now a million times. You know, he just leaves Connor out cold on the canvas. Um, Just very impressive. Uh, I just really, you know, I've said that it encapsulated really just the growth in Dustin Poirier's career. You kind of feel like when guys connected on him like that before, he tended to really just fade away. Whereas this time, you know, you saw him rise to the occasion and have... Easily the best performance of his career. What were your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Most impressive, highest profile. And uh, coming off that, that loss to Khabib, the way he was was finished. Oh, well, not coming off of that loss. I mean, he's fought since. But that was his last highest profile. And this is Conor McGregor. Everyone's watching. My sister, who doesn't care about MMA, is telling me. My sister, who still has an AOL uh, email address, by the way, um, <laughs> is telling me hey, there's a fight. Are you going to watch it? And the only reason she knew about it is because when she went to log in to her AOL email account, there was an ad for this fight. So, I mean, it was on everybody's mind. And this was Dustin Poirier's night. I mean, it made the next, it made the the Monday morning national news. That's a big deal, man. And so looking back, when I saw Conor McGregor in the cage, he started shaking his hands, his wrists, in a way that I've never seen him do before. And I thought, okay, that's different. Hopefully that's not a bad sign. But all that is to say, he looked a little bit off to me. Just because I love the guy so much, I feel like I really know how he's supposed to look when he walks out. I saw the same look in his eyes when he fought Khabib. It's just something different. And I think it goes back to what he said at the end of the fight, which is inactivity. You lose the comfort level. You lose the familiarity with that whole process. And and so I think it showed. Also, when he went up to, to, to Dustin to give him a fist bump, like he never does that. 
Dustin wasn't going to circle the cage and go say hi to him or even just go past him. He stayed in his corner. McGregor went all the way across and gave him a fist bump. That was different to me, too. I thought, a little too nice, right? In any case, then we saw what happened. Uh, McGregor did his best uh, in round one. But, yeah, Dustin definitely looked looked way bigger than him, much bigger. And I would love to know what the, the weight uh the weights they were walking around with, how much extra extra muscle their uh, Poirier came in with because it was clear, the size difference, especially the width of the back. That's where you can really see it. Uh, and Connor, you know, look, man, you're a mixed martial artist. You got to, at this point, you got to be ready to check leg kicks. I think he was just so fixated on getting a victory the old-fashioned way, which is using his fist, using that left hand, that he, he wouldn't stop to... To make the adjustment, it made me think of DC when he was fighting Stipe the second time, and he kept eating those body shots. And he, you could see in his head, he was like, "Oh, if I just get him with one more punch, it'll be over. One more punch, it'll be over." And he kept eating those body shots, and then that was the beginning of the end. McGregor sort of seemed to do the same thing, aware the leg kicks were causing damage, but he kept was like almost like gambling, like if I just pull that lever one more time, I'm gonna get all sevens. And well, it went the other way. So activity seems to be a fair way to summarize inactivity I should say you know what happened with Connor but really what the story should be and I think has been is that Dustin Poirier outclassed him outgunned him and just smoked him that's it no I completely agree I think that um you know, as soon as he rallied back from those early shots in the first it was uh it just the it, that plummeted for Connor. I mean, things really ran away from him very quickly. And mm-hmm. I was listening to Lorosenko and Anthony Smith talk about it and, you know, like checking the calf kicks. And it seems like it should be easy. Get out of the way, lift your leg, turn this way and all that. Um, he, Anthony in particular admitted it's not as simple as a lot of people think. And, you know, that's the reason why they're so effective is there's no blunt way to really block them that really helps you know those kicks to the thigh I mean you saw Chris Weidman essentially eliminate them from the game when he uh you know he forced Anderson to injure himself things like that you know they very rarely happen so now people are targeting the calf which is just a much safer and economic and he did admit it's not an easy thing and even Connor said that although he was shocked by the damage he was taking he said he felt like he was checking him and I think that says a lot about just, uh, for one, Dustin Poirier's ability to work them into his arsenal. We know he's got great boxing, but um, we see, you know, we've seen him be able to use them, and I think he used them a bit against Eddie Alvarez too. So I think that that's just a real thing about that technique is that not only did you have a physically bigger, more just uh, just a better striker in Dustin. But you had a guy who's just added to his arsenal, like you said, and really developed that. And I think that Connor, you know, quite bluntly, he didn't have an answer. And the fact is, you don't need to eat too many of those um, from a powerful lightweight like Poirier before it gets away from you. And that's exactly what we saw. And, you know, I don't think I need to add any more than that. I think that's just exactly what happened. And, you know, look. We've seen people do them. Stipe on Junior Dos Santos was doing it. Um, there's been a couple other guys that get them going. Justin Gaethje's another guy really good with them. But um, yeah, I feel like that was the first thing everyone started teaching uh, in Monday's striking Muay Thai kickboxing classes, the calf kicks and using them. You know, that was all anybody wanted to drill after that performance. Um, Natalie, I want to just get right into it because, you know, I don't think there's a lot that needs to be said about Michael Chandler, Dan Hooker. I think that if anything, Dan Hooker, uh, he just seemed to be a little weary of the takedown with good reason. We talked about it so much and even I was shocked that at some point Chandler didn't just try to get him to raise the hands and just change levels and go deep on a double leg. Um, but Chandler got him to keep backing up and he just kind of kept waiting for it waiting forward waiting forward and then he came across with that right hand and he only needed one shot to really get down hooker out of there i thought the ref gave him a lot of time to recover maybe a little more than he should have but i think as soon as you saw dan hooker go down you knew that was a wrap you could tell that was just it for him so michael chandler looked great 
I want to I will get into him after the fact, but let's talk about what's next, Connor and Dustin. Um we now have a very interesting situation in the lightweight division, so I'm going to just toss it to you on wherever you want to take it. And here's what I think for Dustin, you know, he beat McGregor, beat Dan Hooker. Now he had the loss to Khabib, but everybody's lost to Khabib at this point. And so except for Charles Oliveira and Tony Ferguson, because they just never got the chance. So for Dustin, I think his next fight should definitely be for for the belt. Khabib's not coming back. I think we should just stop talking about the guy. I hope he just vacates officially so Dana White can move on. So I'm trying to get Dustin. I'm trying to get Dustin a title shot here, double G. Um, and I think it should be Charles Oliveira. That's only fair. He's been there for a long time. I think Dustin understands what it's like to be that guy who's been there for a long time getting important and impressive wins and having to wait and wait and wait for that title shot. So I'm pretty sure he wants Charles Oliveira. Probably the UFC wants Michael Chandler. I mean, they they gave him the most important like co-main that the UFC has had in a long time. He overachieved, right? Beat Dan Hooker in a minute and change and then the, the black the backflip like it's amazing that's the main that's the picture on the ufc's website right now is is michael chandler midair so i bet they want him to title to challenge for the title i don't think it's fair i think it should be charles Oliveira, but probably it's going to be michael chandler versus dustin poirier that's good that's a great fight too i mean don't get me wrong but um if we're talking if we're talking merit-based it's got to be Doe Bronx. What do you think? I completely agree with you. And real quick on the picture, I think that there's going to be a UFC.com intern that gets, you know, uh, let go from their position, assuming Dana White hasn't found out because we know Dana hated the backflip. But in any case, I digress. Um, I completely agree with you. It should be um, Dustin versus Doe Bronx. Um, just credibility. To real quick, why I don't like the other ones. The Conor McGregor trilogy, look, out of all of them besides Charles and Chandler, that one makes a whole lot of sense. And it is strongly in consideration. But when I look at it, let's say they were to do it. I heard Ariel Hawani say May. Let's say maybe they were to do a 4th of July kind of deal. Do you see Conor in these next few months about to come back as a completely different fighter to make this drastically different? In a fight that, quite bluntly, he did his best. He landed direct hits and still really couldn't do more damage to Dustin Poirier. I'd say no. And quite bluntly, as I understand, this is one of the most sold pay-per-views. There's not a lot going on that, you know... A lot of people saw Conor McGregor did not have the sauce. He had the juice, but he did not have the sauce (laughs) against Dustin. As you can see, I love the title of our show. Yeah. Um, but but the point is, can you really do an immediate sell? It'll do okay, but let's be honest. Are you clamoring for number three right this minute? No. I think that's pretty fair enough to say. Still good, but not as much. I do believe that Charles Oliveira, on the back of his win streak, the fight with Tony Ferguson... Uh, You know, I think that that's still one of the most talked about performances of 2020. I do think that he's earned it. Um, The nice thing about a lot of these top four, you know, Poirier, Charles, Connor, Gaethje, um, Chandler, if I didn't say him, um, is they're very interchangeable. So many of these guys have good cases and you could see the UFC going either way, but I think in terms of you want to crown, you know, like DC versus Rumble when Jones left, you really want to crown the top guy. I think you just really do got to go with Charles and um, Dustin. Uh, I want to toss it. uh, Well, I'll get to the I'll get them in chronological order. I agree with you Uh, for Conor McGregor real quick. He wants the Dustin rematch. I think that it's very fair to understand why you know selling one one and all this stuff um how do you feel about that fight as opposed to another fight a tony ferguson nate diaz is one that's been thrown out a lot how do you feel about just what should be next for connor i think connor should just go go back okay let the the trilogy with dustin let it marinate it's too soon nobody wants to i mean yes we'll watch it but like Dustin is meant for greater things right now. Don't saddle him with fighting Conor McGregor again. He's 
he's like due for the title shot. He's already saying he's a champion, and that seems fair. Uh, so so let's just move on from the Connor Dustin rematch. I also don't want to see a Connor Nate rematch. ATS to me is still crying wolf. I love the guy. I'm a big fan, but like he doesn't want to fight. He just talks about fighting, but doesn't want to actually get in there and fight and just complains about everybody else not being good enough, not being real martial artists. Okay, fine. I don't know what it means to be a martial artist to him, but like at least everyone else is fighting. He's at least everyone else is competing in the cage, right? I'm sure he's competing in his gym. So what I want to see with Conor McGregor, actually, because uh, I'm looking at the rankings here, RDA is ranked number seven, and we never got to see that fight. That was supposed to be the fight that Conor McGregor, uh, you know, was going to have for the lightweight title initially. Um, didn't happen. He fought Nate Diaz twice. Then, uh, you know, Eddie Alvarez beat RDA. Then Conor beat Eddie Alvarez for the belt. Let's see Conor RDA. I think Conor needs to just fight other guys. Tony Ferguson also works, but I think Tony Ferguson should just take a beat, take a break, let his body heal a little bit. He's been in two pretty, you know, serious battles last year. So Conor RDA for the win. What do you think? I like your reasoning. I want to just acknowledge that right now. Everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. Um... If we were going to go with somebody outside of one of the big dogs, I would agree with you that it should be RDA. I, quite bluntly, looking into you, understanding how UFC world works, I think that if it weren't to be one of the trilogies, it would have to go to Tony. I think that that's just... That sells a pay-per-view a little easier than RDA. Um, I understand what you're saying about Tony, but truth be told, I think Connor should take a minute to regroup after the after Saturday's loss as well. So I do put the Tony fight ahead of RDA, if I'm being honest. Um, I personally, my top pick, uh, honestly, when I was done with it, the Nate Diaz trilogy. Now, I understand what you're saying, but I think that one thing that's been very clear is that if it's not a title... Nate Diaz just wants to get paid, which is completely fine. I just wish he'd kind of just say it bluntly like that. He's done everything. He's said just about everything except that, if I'm being honest. Um, so to me, I think that it's perfect because you want to fight that, you know, sells easily. They have, you know, we've proven it's like Lakers Celtics. It's <laughs> always a good time. Um, secondly, I think that if you're looking to build up Connor, which let's be honest, that's what the UFC wants to do over everything. Um, you giving him a guy who's been rather inactive, coming off a loss, assuming they fight in the summer, it's going to be almost two years since the loss to Masvidal. You know, if there's a time and a place to get him, you think it's now. And secondly, Nate Diaz doesn't evolve between fights. Nate, Nate and his brother Nick, you know... Uh, and I say this respectfully, they're there to get into a fight, not necessarily uh, compete in all facets of mixed martial arts. What I mean by that is they are more likely to flip you off if, they're, if you're avoiding the stand-up as opposed to getting in there and taking you down and executing some jujitsu. That's why people love them. It's always exciting. That being said, they're not about to start throwing a million kicks uh, with the ease and... Uh, technicality of an Israel Adesanya. That's just never who they've been. And that's okay. Because now, at a time when Connor is out of the title picture and Nate Diaz is not in the title picture, it's a perfect time for both of them to get a cash grab in a good fight. And I'm okay with that. And I also think that on their star power, look, Connor McGregor in big fights, I'm here for it because it's a good show once again. But you're giving him a fight now. It doesn't affect all the guys at Lightweight, the Chandler, Justin Gaethje, Tony, and all these guys that are going to be moving up and down the ranks in the next few months. I think it just makes the most sense. So I would say Nate Diaz 3 for the win. I do believe that they're going to strongly consider the Dustin Poirier rematch. But ultimately, I think the fight is either going to go to Chandler or Oliveira. I don't know why Oliveira isn't getting the nod over Chandler, to be honest. But I will say that um, either way, just some somebody's getting the short end of the stick. 
However, I do agree with you once again, it should be Charles, just because his body of work over the last few years in the UFC, especially the fight with Tony, I just hold that in higher regard, quite simply. I want to bring up one thing with Michael Chandler before we move on. Um, a lot of mention of Bellator on the broadcast. John Annex saying it. Bruce Buffer is saying it. This was a double-edged sword, in my opinion, and I want your take on it. Because I do feel that, on the one hand, had Chandler lost, you are essentially big-brothering Bellator to the highest degree if you're UFC. On the other hand, he got the win. I almost feel like... Look, at the end of the day, it's one guy who fought one fight against another guy stylistically. However, I feel like all the big names in Bellator, Patricio Pitbull, Douglas Lima, AJ McKee, uh, Vadim Nemkov, everybody kind of got the rub. Everybody now is like, look, I, hey, you think Michael Chandler could kick some butt? Imagine if you put me in there. I do believe that that was one of the best nights ever for Bellator. Honest to goodness, uh, you have a lot of guys that indirectly I feel like are almost given validation. Like I said, technically speaking, only Michael Chandler gets it. But you know that that's going to be part of the conversation. It just has to be. That's how this works. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, finally that they actually acknowledge where Michael Chandler came from. Because in the countdown, I don't think they even... Um, said Bellator once, if I recall. I, I remember sort of being surprised by that. And But it's not really uncommon for UFC to not say the name of the other promotion. Usually they'll just say they came from somewhere else. You know, Everywhere else is happy to say that a fighter of theirs came from the UFC. So at least they're giving, you know, at least they're just telling the truth, which is all you can ask for. Uh, but yeah, it's a great boon to, to Bellator's um, brand. And Michael Chandler really made a humongous splash. Like, there's no bigger debut I can think of than than his from, for someone coming out of another promotion. Like, it's it's pretty um, pretty amazing. And and you know, he he knocked Dan Hooker out. He does the backflip, and you know, thank goodness he had enough sense to continue and roll through so he didn't break his ankles or something. But gosh, why do they do that? I mean, him and Justin Gaethje just make me nervous. But in any case, then he goes on the mic, and God bless him for rehearsing. It, it, it didn't seem fake, but it was clear that he rehearsed, and I appreciated that because it was flawless, unlike uh, like Colby Covington, right, where he's stuttering and, and uh, you know, it's, it's clearly not natural to him. Michael Chandler made me believe what he was saying was true. Um, you know, no, no better way to, <laughs> to say, Hey, I'm here in the UFC. So it, yeah, Scott Coker's probably smiling, but also like he's smiling because Michael Chandler was never going to, um, reset himself the way he had to for the UFC. Right. Cause if you're in the same place and you're just kind of moseying along, you just keep doing what you're doing. So I think it was a good, um, a good move for both, for both. For both entities, Bellator and Michael Chandler, Bellator gets to say, "Hey, that was our champion," and Michael Chandler gets to uh, be motivated by being in a new promotion and doing some cool shit. So, no, I think you put it bluntly. Um, real quick, uh, Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler. I really feel like that should have always been the fight. I love the two stylistically. Um, I will say, uh, I might have noticed the two seem to be very cordial when they were on the same plane and, you know, just passing by. I might have noticed that when I was going through Fight <laughs> Island. Um, you know what? I, I just love the fight stylistically. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And I think that it just makes the most sense. Um, Justin Gaethje, you're talking about the resurgence since the loss to Poirier, um, the fight with Habib notwithstanding. Um, Chandler, you'd have to fight a guy like Justin anyway. Most likely, if you were to fight Dustin, you'd have to fight either Charles or Gaethje anyway. So I think it just makes a lot of sense. It, um, Dustin, Oliveira, Gaethje, uh, Michael Chandler. I think that one just... That gets all the pieces working perfectly. Um, real quick, I did see Habib's thing, and um, it's not surprising... I want to give one final note because I feel like it's been the Habib. He's been that 
shadow over all of it for a minute. I do believe it is the chapter's closed for now. I truly believe it is not over forever. I do believe whether down the road, and we'll talk about this another day because we've done it pretty much three weeks straight, I do believe he will fight again down the road, but it's not going to be anytime soon. Okay. Do you? Or do you think this is it? it? No, I think this is it. And then it's like, what's the point? That he's going to be older, it's not going to mean the same thing if he comes back and wins. Or, I'm sorry, if he comes back, like, it depends who he's fighting. It changes everything. If you want to prove that you were the king of the lightweight division when it was at its best, or it's the best it's been in a long time, like, this is this is a pretty amazing uh, roster time. that they have. Yep. Yeah. And so this is when you want to say, like, I beat them all, line them up, knock them down. Yeah, he pretty much did that. But there's still some, some floaters out there, you know? So I think it's now or never. And if it's not now, I don't want to see it. Just go live your life, man. You did it. You're great. 29 and 0. I'm telling you, Charles Oliveira beats two or three of these guys. Maybe Michael Chandler if he beats two or three of the other guys. Just maybe. But that's okay. for that's a story for another day, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, Atman Azaitar. If you had to take one guess, honestly, what's in that bag? What do you think it was? Oh my I'll God. tell you this. It's nothing fun. Whatever it was, I could promise you it wasn't worth it. Dude, my first thought was like, oh, no. <laughs> Are they tr- like this is like my, my paranoid, like, you know, deep uh, conspiracy brain going like, I don't know why I had this bad feeling that something was going to happen to Conor McGregor. I just thought like, man, you know, he's going to a part of the world where he's kind of maybe offended people, you know, via offending Khabib, potentially, um, depending on, you know, what you believe in and whatnot. And so I was a little nervous for him. And then when I read about the bag, I was like, oh, no, they're trying to hurt Conor McGregor <laughs> with something, <laughs> you know, uh, a non uh, non proper uh, proper 12 whiskey, uh, the the uh, competitor's whiskey or something and a Molotov cocktail. But, uh, yeah, what was in the bag? Nothing good is right. It, it was nothing good. Why are you going to sneak a bag in? What did he say? Dana White shimmied across four balconies like what is happening <laughs> So Ottman went, uh, so for people who don't know, it's kind of like reaching like a DUI checkpoint, if you've ever been to one, um, just, it, they just have it set up and there's police there. And the only difference is in the bubble, you just can't drive out, you can't get out. That's the whole point. But you know, nothing malicious looking, they just have it at all the roads and crosswalks that would lead out of this area. So Ottman does the thing he gives someone so clearly they're already in, so I'd assume it was easy for them to sneak back to their hotel. I don't understand this whole thing why they gave the wristbands to somebody, and yet this person still needs to sneak around. That's just very counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, whatever, whether Altman and them, they needed their wristbands or something, I'm not sure. But the fact is, then we have the sh- balky shimming, and then someone gets caught. Um, I could tell you it was nothing fun. They're in a bubble. I don't know how big the bag was, but I can assure you he didn't have like a bunch of women or something in there to party with him to pass the time. It's nothing like that. I can tell you from experience, Fight Island is uh, cashless. You don't need bills. You don't need change. Um, they accept credit cards. And really, that was all I needed when I went. And I can assure you it was the same for everyone. If not more so, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of had like a prepaid deal. If you're working with UFC as a fighter, so um, I mean, that's speculation, but it is a fact. You don't need cash in Fight Island. They send it in an email. Um, secondly, you know, so I don't know what it was. I mean, something recreational, if you get my drift. That's the only thing I can imagine you would need to do something like this. I don't honestly know what else it could be. I don't think he brought like a PlayStation the day before the weigh-ins to pass the time. Whatever it was, it's not worth it. I could tell you it's a lot. Everything we're speculating is a million times more interesting than reality. Promise you that. <laughs> but just oh my... weird, man. He got I mean, he got rightly so, he got completely removed, deleted from the UFC. I mean, why would you mess around with that? Was it worth it? Couldn't have been. I can promise you that 
were he to come back tomorrow and he's fighting for Antarctica fighting championship <laughs> and the only media is that in attendance in the in the at the dais set up in an igloo the first question is still going to be what's in the bag yeah that's going to follow him and mind you let's be honest he's never going to have a good enough answer for people oh, so there we are great night of fights from Abu Dhabi. But it wasn't over. Remember on Wednesday, Michael Chiesa, Neil Magny. Uh, Natalie, I'll just make this one quick because I know we got a lot of news. Very impressed with Neil Magny's toughness. I think that he is not getting the credit he deserves. He was on bottom and really just forced Michael Chiesa to work. He forced Michael Chiesa to shift gears and really show off just how good of a grappler he was that was not an easy fight neil magny really made it ugly but in the end you saw just why michael chiesa is one of the top grapplers in the welterweight division that was just a beautiful performance over really one of the veteran of veterans in the ufc i was very impressed so i gotta tell you man i was not i was not impressed with michael chiesa now did he completely dominate Neil Magny? Yeah, he won all five rounds. Maybe Magny had a little bit of a a good turn, and I think it was two or three before Kiesa turned the tables again. But I just don't get excited for someone who just grinds it out like that for five rounds, especially a main event on Fight Island. Like, I want to see a little more now. He's he's very talented. He's effective. It's just not entertaining. And so, you know, I'd probably get some hate for that because it's like, are you an MMA fan or do you want just people to knock each other out? Well, you could be yeah. both. Both, yeah, <laughs> both. Uh, so I just can't get, I can't get into Michael Kies. I'm not going to get excited for a fight that he has. A, you know, Neil Magny's sort of similar style. Um, just Kies, I just had the upper hand this time around. So, like, neither of them ever give me the most entertainment the most uh, bang for my buck if you will but you know it was a, a great performance people especially those who are real fans of grappling very impressed and um i just don't know how impressed dana white is but you know what there probably was a uh, there probably was an interview about it and i just missed it so i don't know if you have any notion of how dana white viewed the whole main event would you say that kiesa's sauce just doesn't bring the right kick to get you galvanized as a fan there's no heat <laughs> in that hot sauce. <laughs> uh, I did not hear Dana really. Dana had other things to worry about. Yeah, um, yeah, like like the, uh, like what's in the bag. <laughs> you know what? I got the impression Dana White seemed like a man who was processing the fact that he doesn't have Habib and McGregor's coming off a loss. You yeah, know? Uh, he just seemed a little. You know, it just did not seem like a triumphant night that I you would think it would be for Dana, but um. No, you know, like, it's hard being, it's heavy as the head that wears the crown. Anyway, um, no, I think that that's fair. I do think, though, you got to appreciate it. You know, we can't all be like Max Holloway and land the most shots in UFC history. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I understand, you know, how it looked, but I think you got to appreciate what you saw out of him. I mean... Look, like, we get excited when Habib grapples, right? More or less, so... I don't, um, but yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe the, not your cup of tea. I just hate grapplers, I guess. No, I don't, I'm just kidding. Oh, we're gonna No, like, DC. Like, to me, DC is an exciting fighter. Okay. An exciting mixed martial artist. Like, he does grapple a lot. He puts you against the cage, but he's always doing something. He's always trying to hurt you. And, and, you know, ultimately to his detriment, he wants to knock you out. You know, that, that was sort of what led to him never being able to, to beat Stipe after the first time. But I'm not against grapplers. I just, I want more of a mix in mixed martial arts. That too much to ask for? Come on. I, th I think that then that's more on Neil Magny. I think that he made it tough for Chiesa to dominate. I think that that's what we got then. Uh, real quick, uh, Chiesa wants Colby Covington. I love that idea in only one universe, and that's the universe where we know for sure that Jorge Masvidal will not fight Colby first. In which case, by all means, Michael, you can have it. Uh, 
But um, I would prefer Kiesa stay ready. I think he should be turning his sights on Wonderboy Thompson. I think he should be keeping his weight down. Don't celebrate because he might want to make weight in about a month and some change for Hamzad and Leon Edwards at this point. So I really do feel like uh, Kiesa should be very careful about that. What about you? Yeah, Colby, I mean, the the trash talk would probably be stupendous uh, between the two of them. I always think of when, <laughs> when Michael Kiesa got mad at him. Kevin, Kevin Lee? Lee. Yeah, don't talk about my mother. He didn't. He just he didn't like insult his mother. Uh, overreaction city over there. So that would be fun to hear how he responds to Colby Covington. But otherwise, I'm with you. Uh, that's not the fight we want to see unless Jorge Mazadal like completely shuts the door on it, and I don't think he will. And Stephen Thompson has great takedown defense, so that's an interesting fight to me. I mean, it could be any which direction with that. I think <sighs> Covington would light up Kiesa. Oh my gosh, he might he might go full Jake Paul on, you know, like Jake Paul following everybody's wife or girlfriend, right? It would be something of that nature. It would be ridiculous. I don't even want to entertain it. Um, yeah. Kiesa, I say Wonder Boy or try to fill in for Hamzad Edwards. Um, we'll get into Jorge in a second. I uh, want to make sure I'm on the right track with our news. Um, really, just uh, I will say this. Successful run of Fight Island when you think about it overall with the pay-per-view with Max Holloway. I think that it was just all very well done. What about you? Yeah, it was great. I mean, Max Holloway and main and co-mains of UFC 257 like what more do you want like you only needed those three fights if 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 that whole week was just like those three fights over three nights I would be like yeah it's great I didn't need anything else thank you so perfect it was great no I, I agree with you I think that uh the headliners all delivered when they needed to even Michael Chiesa but um oh, well. <laughs> anyway two out of three ain't bad yeah. Um, moving on, a uh, lot of busy stuff in the middleweight division, which, you know, I guess not for nothing has been rather quiet for a couple months. Uh, two high stakes bouts on April 10th. It looks like we're going to get Darren Till versus Marvin Vittori. And then a week later on the 17th, we'll have Robert Whitaker against Paolo Costa. So, Natalie, I mean, what are your initial thoughts on obviously the good fights? But obviously, the middleweight title picture will get quite a few interesting wrinkles after April. Yeah, dude, these are crazy matchups. Like, Paulo Costa's looking for redemption because he got pretty embarrassed against Adesanya, especially with all that trash talk. And Robert Whitaker's looking for redemption in a different way. He wants to beat whoever he needs to beat to get back at Adesanya. Um, so there are a lot of high stakes there in that fight. Marvin Vittori, Darren Till, two guys that want to be talked about more in the middleweight division. Like, Darren Till has, just has a name because he's um, he's been around and he's challenged for a title. But in this division, he's still trying to, you know, climb back up to the top, right? Or climb to the top. Marvin Vittori just got some notoriety. So, I mean, it's hungry. Four hungry dudes. And uh, it's going to be a good April, that's for sure. So I wish I could play some graphics right now because uh, I agree with uh, everything you're saying um, for Paulo Costa. Obviously, big redemption for Robert Whitaker. I mean, you beat Paulo, you are really putting the pressure on Adesanya to defend or vacate, you know, to borrow from Tony Ferguson. Um, really, he's gotten all the tough matchups. I think that, you know, outside, you know, and remember, he's also got two wins over Yoel Romero. So I think that that's really big. This is a big one for him. I think that for Marvin Vittori, it's a chance to break in there. When I look at this, um, the fights themselves are very good. It's a lot of good action, a lot of good fights. But to me, you have Adesanya fighting Blahovich in March. If Adesanya wins and he stays up at 205, Robert Whitaker, okay, you beat Paulo Costa. If Darren Till beats Vittori... I mean, where do you go if you're Rob Whitaker? I mean, you're almost like the king without a crown, without an interim crown at least at 185 because now you've officially 
In my opinion, you've done all the work you need to warrant an Adesanya rematch. Just plain and simple. If Vittori wins, then you have a little bit more of a case because now you can talk about, you know, Whitaker versus Vittori, interim title. Vittori, remember, he had that split decision to Adesanya. They'd really promote it that way. Um, we know who what Rob brings to the table. But really, to me, the tough thing about that is that, you know, obviously that depends on Adesanya. If he stays up, things get complicated. If Adesanya comes back down, then suddenly it's a uh, who wants it more. I think that, um, uh, I will say outside of Paulo Costa, I think that all three of those guys, Whitaker, Vittori, Till, um, it's whoever looks the most impressive out of the three. And honestly, I think that one at this stage of the game, if Adesanya were to come back to 185 in late 2021, we're looking at the next guy for Adesanya for middleweight. And I think that um, that's just all the way you could really slice that pie. I don't think you could really break it down any more than that on what we could see uh, going forward. Yeah. Let's see. Wait and see, right? That's our favorite thing to do. I mean, that's all we ever do besides, that's you know. That's all we ever do. Like, we watched it, and now we got to wait and see what happens next. Which I get, you know. Yeah. We should really just be like, man, that's awesome. Okay, next subject. <laughs> just so we're not, just yep. so we don't say it. Uh, on April 17th, Robert Whitaker and Paulo Costa will have some competition for the combat sports attention. Because it's official. Jake Paul finally got one. He got a fish on the hook. He's going to be boxing Ben Askren. And I listened to Jake Paul talk to Ariel Helwani. And I heard Jake Paul talk about why he's only following uh, of people. He is following Triller. But of people, he's only following Ben Askren's wife. He did not say the most respectful thing about... He, he was very objectifying when he was asked about it. And I was like, <sighs> here we go. Ben Askren boxing. How much confidence do you have in it? That's where it begins and ends, no? Zero. I mean, I just think about how he looked against Damian Maya. Like, when you make Damian Maya look like a good boxer, a good puncher, which he is, right? He's a fine puncher, but, like, that's not what he's known for. But when you go and try, and you're just like, I mean, when I saw Ben Askren fight Damian Maya, I was like, what? Now, okay, his hip was in really bad shape, right? So maybe that's why he couldn't, he had terrible form. But this is ridiculous. I'm just going to say it's ridiculous. Ben Askren, I can't believe I'm going to say this, will probably lose to this guy. Because, like, for whatever it's worth, this Paul, is it Jake or Logan? Jake. Uh, He's or, fighting little, Jake, little bro Jake. Yeah. Little one. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Because for whatever it's worth, Jake and Logan are just, when they, like, that's all they're, they're doing when it comes to combat sports training is like boxing, right? So I don't know what Ben Askren has been doing lately, but I doubt it's like boxing is high on the top of his list. I don't think it's going to end well for him. I don't think he should have accepted it. It's not going to look good. And like, I can't believe that, that someone like who's not even an MMA is going to beat Ben Askren badly. That's what I think is going to happen. It's so embarrassing. So I was, uh, yeah, Jake Paul is younger, he is big, he is much faster. All, yeah. Both of his hips and knees and joints are probably young and fast and working perfectly still. Um, he has only boxed two YouTubers and a former slam dunk champion. He has not fought anybody with a legit boxing record, amateur or otherwise. And yet, I think about Ben Askren and... I'm going to just say bluntly, he, yes, he has done more boxing training and classes, um, probably half the lifespan, if not more, than uh, probably close to over half, now that I think, do the math, than Jake Paul is, has lived years on this earth. And yet, I think that when I look at it, well, you know, why, like, what would make Ben Askren's boxing effective well in MMA it's the fact that you are so worried about him taking you down that you are afraid to throw hands that's the only reason Ben Askren has been undefeated 19-0 which is great he was very effective in his career I give him full credit 
that being said, Jake Paul does not have to be afraid of a takedown. And then I talk, I think about, well, under those circumstances now, Ben Askren, I believe, is 30-something, over 35. Ben Askren has had to have his hip replaced. Ben Askren has already retired from the fight game twice. I'm not entirely... I, I do got to check about the weight and the height and the size and all that. I do think that it will play a big factor. At the end of the day, if they're about the same size, this does become a more even fight. But as I break it down, I'm like, I just really... Uh, I think that Ben has to box the best he's ever had. He has to box better than we've seen in order to prove he is actually, you know, he could do what we need him to do. And I say that, you know, as like defending the MMA honor, because we do know how bad it's going to look if this, you know, uh, guy who's more known for doing videos on YouTube beats a, you know, a former world champion in two of the biggest organizations on the planet. And that's all I have to say about that. Do you... Like, do you remember, okay, just picture Ben Askren, his, his chest, his body, like when he's in the cage, you know. I'd rather not, but okay. <laughs> Think about it. Have you, seen, have you ever seen Old School, the movie, you know, Will Ferrell's running through the, the streets naked and he's screaming, we're streaking? That's the body that Ben Askren has, the Will Ferrell body. And like. He's also got a bit of Will Ferrell's hair now that I think about it. Yeah, and the hair. <laughs> now. And that's fine because, like, if you're going to primarily be in, in MMA as a grappler, like, your body can look whatever because you have, like, you've been wrestling your whole life. Like, you have all these tiny little muscles and, like, you don't need to look all buffed out to do that. But for boxing, you actually should have some, like, definition, right? Maybe he's been training. I don't know. But it makes me think, like, either he needs the money, I guess, but I, it's hard for me to believe that's the case. Or he thinks it's funny and he just wants to have do something funny. He wants to, to do a joke, have a laugh. That's got to be it. Because why else? Anyway, we can move on. I heard he's making good money for it. I'll say that. I'll say this. Once again, Ben Askren should have way more boxing experience um, than Jake Paul by far. My only thing is, you know, once again, he's got to show something that he hasn't in MMA. Because I think that, you know, the boxing we've seen from him in MMA, and mind you, once again, he was only ever looking to wrestle. That's fair. But we've also seen when he doesn't get the takedown how it goes for him. And that is concerning. So, that I think, uh, I'll just leave it at that for Ben Askren. Just, you're going to have to surprise all of us. And I'll say this, don't hate on Mr. Dad Bod. Mr. Former Bellator and one champion. You know, he's beaten some killers Without a six pack, Natalie, do not, you know. Uh, yeah, I look, feel you like don't need that to that win the way a, he does. Although that was borderline body shaming. I'm ashamed of you. Yes, yes, please. <laughs> um, you know, looking at his record, he did beat some people by punch with punches. Apparently, uh, were Shinya those on the ground? Actually, huh? Were those punches on the ground? It doesn't. I'm just looking at topology. I'm 99 percent but... sure they were. I'm just saying that <laughs> <laughs> you don't box horizontally. You box yeah. vertically. I mean, mostly it's like decision, decision, and then submission. We don't need to get into that. I like Ben. <laughs> I like uh, him too. That's why it's like, what? Anyway, moving on with in, our lives. <laughs> in March, there's going to be a double pay-per-view. So this hasn't happened in a minute. Uh, March is going to have one on, let me look at that. It's March 6th, and that's the triple header. Adesanya Blahovich, Nunez Anderson, Jan Sterling. Now confirmed, on March 27th, about three weeks later, they're going to have the, a doubleheader, Stipe Ngannou 2, and the featherweight title fight between Volkanovski and Brian Ortega. Um, Natalie, usually the UFC, you know, we know they have a monthly pay-per-view schedule that they tend to hold to. They will keep to it even when there is a double, you know, double pay-per-view one month. They've done it in July. They've done it. They tend to do it in December, like the Toronto-Vegas thing. Um, You know what? Just uh, what do you think about just both events and their ability to draw? Because I think that's the big thing, whether 
by themselves they're completely decent cards completely dis decent headliners you know that are going to be on the poster but as a whole can you get the fans to commit twice in the month of march with this this particular pair man I, just forgetting about the, the the fans for a second right even though you need them five title fights in march that's amazing right now, Nunes Anderson, you kind of already know how that's going to go, pretty much. But Adesanya Blahovitz, Jan Sterling, Miocic Nganu, Volkanovski Ortega, we don't know what's going to happen. Those are all going to be really exciting fights. So am I thrilled? Yeah. Am I looking at my checkbook? You know, I, I don't really use a checkbook anymore, but <laughs> that's a... Really that's dating just, yourself there. Yeah. It's, Wilma <laughs> Flint, you know. Book. Betty Rubble, Wilma Flintstone. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at my coin purse, counting my, my stones. Uh, my pebbles and um yeah but so no i don't want to pay two two pay-per-views because yeah i'm still the only person that pays for pay-per-view um but i will because <laughs> these are really awesome matchups now will other people ah uh, you know they split them smartly right because they know adesanya and, and nganu will probably be the biggest draws and they put them on two separate cards yep ah uh, People are going to tune in, man. I think they are now. Are, are they going to get to a million? No, but it's going to be like, uh, I bet it'll be like uh, five to seven hundred, five to eight hundred thousand buys each. I... These, are, these are pretty killer. What do you, you, you think I'm uh, over uh, overestimating? I'm not going to lie. I think that people are going to go chips in on Adesanya. Mm. And for the simple fact that we've seen Stipe Nganu. I think that when you talk about what do you more likely expect to happen, I know that went five rounds the last time, but the way Stipe fights, the way Nganu fights, I almost feel like I, I'm almost predicting a first round finish for both of those guys. Either way, and so I'm thinking about it, if I'm a fan thinking about how my money's going to go, and I'm thinking about buying the heavyweight fight... <sighs> Nganu most likely not going to fight more than five minutes, win or lose. So now it's all about Volkanovski Ortega really bringing me in, right? So I think that that's going to... I think that just as usual, the unless you have a bigger card, the first pay-per-view always kills the second one. It's not going to be bad and people are should be invested because those are great fights. But I think that, you know, when you have a triple header combined with a champ champ, situation it's gonna be hard to top especially when you consider that Adesanya is probably without Habib a top three draw in the UFC right now it's just gonna be tough yeah man uh you make some good points there I wasn't thinking about Miocha Chinganu being a a uh, round two there so that will make a difference. Volkanovski Ortega is a great fight for MMA fans, but if you're someone who's a little bit on the periphery, who doesn't always tune in, you might not realize how exciting that fight could be and how great Ortega looked last time, you know, and all that stuff. And, and real quick, changes. I feel like people are already looking ahead to Holloway and something else. And so you never want the precursor. You want the main course, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, sorry, continue. No, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, um, and probably that, that, you know, that makes more sense. Um, yeah, Adesanya is on the cover of UFC 4, right? Uh, the video game, and, uh, you know, Nunes has, has a draw in some respects. She's still writing that, you know, Rousey, Holm, uh, Tate, like the destruction of, like, you know, the entire 135 division and uh chris cyborg like all those names that she's defeated like that still has a lot of value um Piotr Jan, Sterling, i'm very excited about that but that's definitely one of those where you're like if if you're just tuning in for adesanya you're gonna be happy that you got to see that fight but you probably won't even really know who those guys are so um well all that is to say i i guess i do agree with you that that's gonna be the one that brings in the the fans and the money i just think that um it's too good of a set I just feel like, you know, unless they try to really stack the undercard of the Stipe and Ganu card, but then in which case, you know, it's just very tough. 
It's just, you know, when you have a triple header, it's just hard to beat. And then when you consider the star power of one of the guys, it, that's tough too. So, But look, they're all great fights. Like we said, five title fights. I think it's very possible. And can you believe it? We might even get another big one in April. Because Natalie, Jorge Masvidal is apparently feeling inspired. And he wants to fight again. And he wants to bring the fans to his beloved Miami. He did not say, you know, everyone's, uh, you know, favorite person to dislike. But, you know, we all know what we want to see. Do you think we'll get Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington in April? Considering how many titles are now on the line in March. No, well, I'd say no, probably not. Because, like, you know, it's like... The UFC like loves to not give fighters what they ask for, you know. And so if he wants April, then they're probably going to be like, nah, nah, we'll make you, we'll make you sweat for it. We'll give you May. But I know there's other stuff already, you know, in the works. So if April doesn't have a pay per view, Jorge's ready. I mean, they should. I don't know if they will. This is just this is just speculating. It would be cool if it was in Miami, but if we're still, and I suspect we will, still be like most states not allowing fans even though florida is different like the ufc is going to want to save money wherever they can so the cost of having to move the whole show to miami for one fight oh they're they're definitely not going to make it to miami there there is no way that happens in four months yeah trust me like if it could happen in miami in four months we would have had a packed house on saturday for mcgregor they, we yeah. are not that good yet, no matter how optimistic you are. <laughs> no, definitely not. Like, not even close. Uh, so, yeah, maybe. Because what else have you got going on? I'm going to say this, and uh, it's just once again going back to it, is um, if we're doing Jorge Colby, you got to do it early or you're the fact is someone's getting you're either taking risks or you're screwing someone altogether because the way i see it is if they're you don't want them to wait until december you're talking about a year over a year layoff for both guys if you're just making them wait for tough now if you were to do something along the lines of jorge wonder boy colby kiesa I mean, let, let's be honest. Either way you skin that, you run a potential risk of losing out on the big fight, right? You know, it, and then, you know, that spoils your plans for tough. And Jorge right now, I'll, I'll say uh, he's kind of like McGregor. He can draw a lot by himself. I don't know if he can sell a pay-per-view just him versus Wonder Boy. What about you? Him, Colby, I can see. I don't know about Masvidal Thompson, and I want to ask you about that. No, it wouldn't sell that well. There, there wouldn't be any bad blood, and not that 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 we need or want that. But you know, it certainly helps for selling a pay per view or something. Like if you're not already like Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, they didn't need the bad blood at this point because Conor McGregor had been away for a year. He's the biggest fighter in MMA. Blah blah, all that stuff, right? Jorge, as you say, can draw, but yeah, you know, against against Wonder Boy, although that makes me really excited, like that's not enough. Like Jorge's got this reputation, the persona, like it's got to be a little bit um, cantankerous, you know. There's got to be something, some fire between his opponent and him, if he's going to be the only, you know, he's going to be the one pulling, um, uh, c- carrying the entire pay per view. So. Uh, even though I'll pay sixty four ninety nine or whatever it is to watch that Wonder Boy fight, I don't know if the UFC has any faith in uh, anybody else paying. You know, yeah. To me, I think it's just um, it's the matchup. And look, I'm not saying you could do, for example, I think Jorge Leon Edwards. I think that if Hamzat absolutely smokes Leon, you could even maybe try to push Jorge uh, Hamsat. I just feel like Stephen Thompson is a fantastic fighter who does not bring all of the necessary ingredients to make a blockbuster pay-per-view. 
it would just be too completely carried by Jorge. And I just think that that's, uh, like it's, you know, I just don't see it. You get what I mean? Yeah. 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 But, um, I'll say this. I hope so because I, I get it. It would look so, it would be so awesome on the ultimate fighter. I, Jorge and Colby, I get it. You can't have these guys wait. And if you're not matching them up, that means that you're either making them wait or you're making them risk the fight. Both of which I really don't want to see happen. We already have enough weird stuff happen. If the fight can be made now, let's make it now. You know, I need like a as real as it gets kind of catchy slogan for this moment, but I don't have one. <laughs> um, but that's just where I'm at. So, you know, uh, I hope so. I do think that, you know, we're coming up. It's going to be March in, a, you know, about a couple of days. Sorry, it's going to be February. By mid-February, you kind of need them to make a call on the pay-per-view, on the headliner at least. So I think by then we'll have a really good indication. I will say this. If, um, if Jorge doesn't headline by May... I do think they're just going to make them wait for after tough because I, I just don't see them, you know, risking it so close to 4th of July. I just don't know if they would do that. You get what I mean? Yeah, man, it's so dumb, though. Like, if I'm Jorge Masvidal, I'm like, dude, I'm like almost 40. Like, can you let me fight before mm -hmm. I can't fight anymore? That's what I that's how I feel. The guy's not getting any younger. As amazing as he is, like, let's be real making him sit on ice for tough like come on let him fight let's go doing a quick check so i know zhang wei li is probably the big one that we haven't seen in a minute and you figure if it's not jorge she has to show up there i feel like that you got um valentina although i get the feeling valentina might be may then you got davison and brandon moreno again I mean, I'm I'm trying to see, like, if not him, then what kind of combination would they pull? Because I feel like they're going to try to put him by himself, right? They're not going to put Jorge with other title fights. Just not with those particularly. I just don't think Jorge would be co-main event to Zhang Wei Li, respectfully. Um, even Valentina. Valentina's fantastic, and we love Valentina on the show, but I just feel like he was he would not play second to those three champions i just don't see that happening no he, he wouldn't play second to most anyone frankly yeah. so i think it's just um it's gonna be a good show i'm not gonna say we're gonna wait i'm gonna say it's gonna be a good show when we finally see him Okay. And finally, Natalie, no UFC this week, but next Saturday, the heavyweights are in action. Alistair Overeem and Alexander Volkov. The Dutchman trying to make his last run at the title. Then one of the tallest guys at heavyweight trying to build his way back up there too. What are your thoughts on this one? I would love for them to do what everyone wants heavyweights to do and just get to it, just knock each other out. I know Alistair is like his last chance to make a run for the title, and he's fighting a little more cautiously these days, just doing what he has to do to get the win. So I'm hoping for an exciting slugfest <laughs> because I always hope for that when it comes to heavyweights. Why do I watch mixed martial arts? It seems like I have a, a bloodthirsty or something, but um, uh, but I don't know if we'll get that. I think it's going to be a careful sort of like you know patient battle of the big men, and uh, you know it is what it is. They're, they're actually it's actually a good card. There's a no, I can't remember Cody Cody San, Cody Sanhagen's fighting Frankie Edgar in the co-main. That's pretty good. So there's there's some good stuff on this uh, on this card anyway altogether. Oh, that fight is fantastic with uh... yeah. Corey and Frankie. That is going to be a good one. My Look, there, there's so many beautiful things to enjoy about this fight. Uh, both surging, veterans, a lot of experience, a lot of great hands, great just uh, ac striking acumen between the two. I'm going to just say it. I thought about it and I was like, Curtis Blades fights Derek Lewis like in three weeks. 
four weeks. And if Blades wins, I feel like the winner of this one is almost all for nothing, which is a travesty because this is a perfectly great fight with two great heavyweights. <laughs> so it's like, oh boy, we need to get these belts moving. March cannot come soon enough. You get what I mean? Yeah, so, that's good. But um, look, uh, fantastic, heavy hands, Volkov, so good. Um, it's got all the makings. It's a pick and fight. I think it's a very close fight, and I think that's going to be, you know, I feel like a couple of them haven't always felt that way. This one, it could go either way, and I love that about it. So it'll be some good stuff. We'll talk X's and O's for you guys next week. We will be back with more MMA news. Until then, guys, take care.